Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. James. What's up, Mr. Steve? Recovery. Why don't they make an app for that? They totally should. Oh, wait. You know what? I heard about one. It's called Relay. Okay, but I want to name this. I hear about a lot of things, and you hear a lot about a lot of things. And people are like, I'm in recovery, and I have this book, this app, this program, this retreat, this thing. And I'm always like, my initial reaction is, if I crack this egg and I find out what you're going to tell me is that if I would just try harder your way, I'll be porn free in three weeks. I'm going to be mad that I wasted time reading this email that you sent me or having this conversation. Amen, my friend. Relay ain't that. And this story ain't that. Real recognize real, as they say in the rap game. Um, And what I want to name for everyone coming and listening to this is um, just the wisdom of choosing recovery. Totally. And um, I often say maturity is not linked to age and could not be truer. Oh, that was very evident. Than with Chandler and Jade. Totally. Um, And also just want to name, naming the hard and embracing the good. And what I loved was... um, It was through the darkness that the light came. Yes. The light comes through the darkness. Yes. Well worth listening to, to join us and do that. Um, also want you to know that we are a 501c3, so a nonprofit. Um, all of the money there goes to funding scholarships. So you could try out the Relay app or go to therapy or go to the Warrior Heart Retreat or do different things. So we strongly encourage you, if you are in need of working recovery and need help, you are worthy of help and we want to help you and have funds to do so. So go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships. And if you are like, I would also like to help people and get in on the bonus content with these guys, which by the way was money. You need to go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate to become an outsider. You can donate big, small, whatever, and join us there. So with that, we invite you to get in the studio with us with Chandler and Jade, the creator of the Relay app. Chandler, what's up? What's up, man? Jade, how are you? I'm good. How are you? So, um, Chandler, you you did feel the... Oh, yeah, and James is here. Chopped liver every what? time, James. <laughs> every time. So, uh, you did you did fulfill for me, Chandler, and I want to know the answer in reverse. Um, I feel like when you meet people on Zoom, they're all shorter. And then you meet them in real life, and you're like, oh, whoa, tall timber. And so I just want you to <laughs> I was you were, shorter, wasn't I? I was the were, exception. No, no, you were taller. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, oh, he's taller than I thought. <laughs> so um, I don't know if I was taller or shorter, but I just want you you're to You're taller, too. You're, yes. See? It's, yes. I'm telling you, people, it's a thing with the Zoom meetings. Um, and also, uh, thanks for meeting with us after rescheduling uh, like six different times. Yeah. So no, we, we finally made it here. We're excited. We're really excited. Totally nailed it. So... Um, Tell us, as we kind of talk about your story, um, I think of the front, what I want to know is like, why are you here and why are you so passionate? Not only to share your story, and we talked about in the intro, the app, right? And Relay and what, you, what you're doing with that. And so tell us like, why so passionate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I first started struggling with pornography and really it was masturbation before that, which I'll, I'll just come right out and say that that was something that was never talked about in my household or that I heard talked about in the church generally growing up. And I I think that the curiosity and not really knowing what was going on eventually led to compulsive behavior, both with masturbation and pornography. And so throughout kind of my high school years, there was uh, this early story of shame and of this kind of first time in my life where I couldn't control what I had been able to, I guess, like in all other areas of my life and being the kid that, you know, as the oldest, my parents wanted me to be, or, um, you know, I always had this desire to be good and to follow God and, and excelled in school and sports and other things. And as I went about my recovery journey, a key part of my story was, uh, meeting so many other guys who were in the same boat through a few different group based programs. 
And I just became super passionate throughout the years of my recovery story about this concept of teamwork and realizing that I made progress better when I was teaming together with all of these other guys that I had come to know. And when I didn't, it really sucked. And that was a recurring story that I learned year after year in my, in my experience. And so I became so passionate about helping people stop struggling alone and, and really realizing that so many people are still trying to do this alone. Uh, even people who have sought out resources are still on, on the average, you know, six days a week, seven days a week doing it alone. And, and that's something that I saw to be so uh, harmful for me. And, and I wanted to, to really not just bring this to light, but start helping people work together more through this. Mm-hmm. So when when did you first, as you were kind of going into your recovery straight, when did you first kind of have the um, aha moment or shame show up where you're like, I think I have a problem? Because <laughs> we all have the like, yeah. oh, these are random you're incidences, like, oh, right? And then there's the part like, no, I think this is like a thing. Like, I think this is an issue. Yeah. So where, when was that moment for you? Yeah, so this was probably two years after I'd been struggling. I, I think it was like this slow dawning realization like, oh, crap, I think I'm like struggling to stop. So first of all, I'm struggling with something that I didn't even know how to put a name to before like... Sure. I'm like, I guess now I'm struggling with what's called porno- pornography masturbation. And that's like something that I never thought I would struggle with. Um, so that was somewhere in maybe the first after a year or so. But after two years, it was this realization of I'm stuck and trying kind of on my own to white knuckle my way out of this and and praying, you know, to get my way out of this. Uh, it doesn't seem to be working yet. And so this was now like junior year of high school where I was starting to think about like, who can I talk to about this? How do I get, you know, some extra help? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell it raised in church. Yeah. 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 I was raised in the church. So my, my parents, you know, were really open about the, I guess like standards of, uh, you know, someone who's trying to follow Jesus Christ and how, how we should live. And I knew that this was bad, but like I said, we had kind of open conversations in our home, but at the same time, like not really, I didn't really feel super comfortable. And and I did start to notice that I felt a lot of shame and feel like I was totally letting God down, my parents down and myself down uh, in those early years. Especially because you excelled in every other area of your life. I feel like everything else came easy to you, right? Yeah, I think I've I've always probably struggled with this unhealthy aspect of defining my self-worth by my accomplishments and my achievements. And um, and so, you know, I was hard on myself if I wasn't doing well in school and sports. And now there's this area of my life that no one knows about that I really don't have a grip on. Uh, and I started to define myself by that. By define yourself by the fact that you but, couldn't get a grip on it. Correct. Now. Yeah. So now this. I, I'm a failure because okay. like it doesn't matter that I'm still doing well in any other area of life. Oh, okay. I was, yeah, I was like not happy with where yeah. I was in life. For, you know, and relatively, you know, I don't know. I don't remember exactly how frequently I was struggling. It wasn't like I was spending all day, like, sure. <laughs> watching pornography. It was maybe, you know, slipping up once a week or, or maybe twice a week. Every other week, I, I don't know. But it was really defining my entire existence at that time. So this was about junior year. So you're like, okay, I need some help. Did you look for help? What did you do? Yeah, I, I eventually opened up to my mom. Uh, and, and talk to her about this. I don't know why I felt comfortable doing this in retrospect. Like that doesn't seem like the most obvious move mm-hmm. <laughs> given that I, I felt like I was letting them down. But we ended up like talking openly and I kind of let her know that I was struggling with this. And uh, and she actually like shortly after that had stumbled across, um, it wasn't a 12-step program, but it was kind of similar to that, a group-based program online for young adults uh, trying to overcome unwanted sexual behavior. And she suggested it to me, and I was I was pretty open to to it right away because I was like, yeah, I know the status quo is not working. I'm I'm willing to try something different. Um, and I've always I guess been the type of person like I'm okay putting myself out of my comfort zone. Um, so even though I was feeling the shame, like I think I was past the point already of I'm willing to to like do the uncomfortable and start putting work in to yeah to get help. So you went to a group, started getting some help, and then this put you on a trajectory of some group work and teamwork. Yeah, and here we are today. That's the story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so so one question I want to ask before 
kind of leaving your childhood and seeing what happened in adolescence is. So like at that time, high school age, leaning into it, like who was God to you? Because there's a difference between like, this is the denomination I'm raised in, or this is the family I'm raised in. And we typically have a pretty clear contract of like God's identity as it's explained to us, as we've seen it mirrored in our father, right? Um, The Shaq guy's quote, what's his name again? Young? Yeah. Paul Young, um, right? That we take the face of our earthly father and put it on the face of God, right? Mm -hmm. So as a therapist, normally when someone says to me like, what's up with you and God? They're like super distant. I'm like, I can almost guarantee that their relationship with their earthly father felt super emotionally and spiritually distant, maybe even physically distant. Yeah. So who, what was God's identity to you as a kid growing up and in that, the, the high school years? Yeah, that's actually really interesting, the analogy you just made between an earthly father and, and, and God and heavenly father, because I think I, for my earthly father, I felt a lot of love growing up, but it still felt kind of emotionally distant. We didn't mm-hmm. have a strong or deep, vulnerable uh you know, emotional relationship and it's still high expectations. Yeah. It was a lot of high expectations and I knew that there was high love attached to that, but it wasn't really shown or communicated super explicitly. And, and I guess like reflecting on it, that is maybe how I kind of felt about God. I did know that he loved me. I certainly, mm-hmm. uh, I, I personally never had kind of a crisis of like, does God love me? Is mm-hmm. he, is he a forgiving God? Um, but I, I struggled to feel like personally and emotionally connected with God. So I, right. it was driven more by God is a God of expectations. Right. And I... It, so you it was maybe de- had to earn it with him exactly, too. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm earning it with... I'm earning my love for myself. I'm earning my love for my earthly parents and for God. It, it's all kind of the same thread. I think of if I do my part and live up to expectations, then I merit, you know, feeling like I'm I'm good enough. And, and so I think... Yeah, yeah, I think that little distortion led to to feeling a lot of shame uh, early on. Um, so uh, before we move past right here, just want to name for you, Jade. So in your growing up years in your life, who, what was God's identity for you? Hmm. Re- let me add for like raised in church, family yes, of church yes. people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I feel like there were kind of two distinct phases of my understanding of who God was. I think when I was at home growing up, it was very much like, these are God's laws. This is what obedience looks like. And that is one of the most important things because that is how you be a follower of Christ is to obey his laws, obey the commandments of God. Um, That was a lot of the culture that I grew up in. Um, And then um, I served a mission for the church. Um, LDS. Yes. Right, both your guys' backgrounds are LDS. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I served a mission for 18 months. And during that time, I feel like I really had to figure out, okay, so what I currently understand about God doesn't seem to be quite working for all these different situations that I'm put in. Um, my mission was really, really difficult. And I had to figure out how to reconcile a lot of what I thought I knew about God and what I was seeing happen in my, during my mission. Um, and so I did a lot of searching. I think at that, during that time, I started understanding more that God wasn't just about obedience. That was, that was very one dimensional. Um, I started understanding him more as an actual, um, parent and a father to me. It felt a lot more personal. I felt like, oh, like this person actually cares about me perfectly. I can have a real relationship. I can just talk to him. Throughout my like, I can talk to him whenever I want, and mm-hmm. I can say exactly how I feel. I can tell him if I'm mad. I can tell him if I'm struggling with something. I can tell him if I'm pissed at him. I can I can be very real with him because he'll take it, um, and he doesn't. I don't have to stay there, but I can still be really honest about where I'm at currently, and I don't need to be more perfect than I am. And that I feel like actually was a lot of the perspective that I think I brought to the relationship when Chandler and I met. Um, I feel like that was something that I had had to learn previously on my own. And I do think that's a lot of um, what has shaped our journey together now that we're together. Mm, That's awesome. Gift, blessing. Yes. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. So close the gap for catch us up. So story. So leaving high school served a mission. Yep. Where'd you go? New York City. Awesome. So. Where did you go? Taiwan. Oh, very. My dad went to Taiwan. That's cool. Oh, that's cool. So, um, 
So uh, that's a big line, right? Because in church culture, right, it's like in order to serve a mission, I need to be to your debt, right? Like the obedience part needs to be in place, right? Testimony of Jesus and the obedience. Um, and so were you like, I could white knuckle it enough that I, I felt confident to say, I don't have any porn problems, send me out? Or what, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so I'd started to be really open with my church leaders about where I was at, and I had made a lot of progress in my senior year. I think I had maybe gotten to six months or so. Um, and and so by the time I left for New York, um, I was feeling in a pretty good place, felt like this was totally behind me, and I think I was still hanging on to this notion that like success and number of days and weeks clean and not viewing pornography or masturbating equals I'm in good standing with God. Um, and I was really attaching that very heavily to my recovery process and my mindset about my relationship with God. And so when I was in New York, uh, I think, you know, I hear a lot of people that talk about going and serving missions for the church of Jesus Christ and being like, you know, and then it was a problem when I came home and kind of gloss over the two years. I actually struggled while I was out there full time uh, serving God. And th that was really difficult for me because I had this really conflicting like situation now where I feel like, well, shoot, like I worked hard to, to get in the place quote unquote, where I'm mm -hmm. okay to be here. And now I'm struggling again. Um, and so I was open with my leaders out there about what was going on. And, and what was really interesting was, um, so I, at the time I was serving in a few different leadership assignments. And, and the point of mentioning that is, I started to get into this like tangled mindset with myself around specifically around not just being out there serving, but being in leadership assignments and, and helping a lot of missionaries and struggling with this and really thinking about like how, how in the world is it possible that I can, that God is okay with me being here and serving in, in whatever assignment he needs me to, uh, if I'm not like far, like this problem is far in the past, basically. So I started to put like these artificial like definitions of like, it doesn't make sense that God would need to, to use me to help anyone in particular if I'm, you know, still dealing with this. Um, and so that, that was like a, a hard part of those two years for me. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, so that, same script, right? Yeah. Well, and one I've uh, uh, felt and dealt with a lot, frankly, hosting this podcast. You know, because I and and I when I started it, you know, not sober and um, couldn't be like I have two years of sobriety of everything and all my blessings back with the church and everything, <laughs> so we're good to go. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, at you know at times totally just struggling with the how can I help other people if I have not perfected, yes. yeah. you know what's happening. So kindred oh, spirit, yeah. my friend. Well, in this kindred spirit, and this lesson has continued. So, so I'm jumping around a little bit, but since starting relay, like I haven't been fully perfect in terms of, uh, like yeah, sobriety, sobriety, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. um, like I've I've really had to grapple with this more even recently. Of like, have I really let this lesson sink in? Of you don't need to be a certain number of weeks sober to help other people, to allow God to leverage your strengths. To have something to give. Yeah. That we are, what we have to give is not dependent on how many weeks clean we are. Um, and that, that's a lesson that I think has been really powerful, whether you're starting a podcast, building an app or, or doing something totally different. Like I, I really think that a key theme that I've learned in my journey and Jade and I've learned together is, that this does not define me and my relationship with God. Uh, it doesn't define our marriage and, and it doesn't define my ability to live the kind of life that I want to live. Um, and of course it doesn't mean that I should not care about trying to overcome the behavior itself. Um, but it, for me, I, that, that part was easy. Like my commitment has always been 150%, mm -hmm. uh, but it was yeah, about sure. it, the, those last layers of shame. I don't know, like an onion analogy kind of stands out in my mind of like these different layers that I had to peel back and work through. Yeah. So, um, fast forward the story for us. How did you meet? <laughs> Jade, you always do better in this one. So then I let's hear know. it from you. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, we were at BYU, uh, going to school and I joined a service project. We were, what was it? It was helping improve accessibility on campus for those that have disabilities and Jade was the project leader at the time. 
and I joined the team. That's how I met. She got my number to start meeting with the team. There was like five of us. Uh, and the project didn't go very far, but we did. And that's how we, <laughs> <did>. <laughs> we passed the project along to someone else who was able to continue it. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, we started dating and I guess that kind of kept us busy. <laughs> yeah. So tell me how disclosure happened around getting yeah. married. Yeah. So I made the decision early on that I wanted to be, I wanted to like have this disclosure and be open while we were dating, before we were engaged, before we were married. And so it, I honestly think that was a good move for us. We were officially <laughs> well, dating, right? Well, I'll, I'll just, uh, I'll just name that it's uh, always a good move. <laughs> um, and as someone, and there's, so, I have some nods here with some of my brothers, here, some of the unashamed team here with me, um, uh, doing it the other way of not telling her and having her either find out later or giving her hypothetically, you know, two years and four months into your marriage. Uh, mm. Oh, by the way, boom! Um, not recommended. Not fun. Yep. Yeah. Not recommended. Totally. Yeah. So, so I, I, I approached the conversation like this. It, it was, you know, a couple weeks into dating and I was like, I think I'd accidentally blurted out. I love you, which is what made him realize <laughs> that he needed well, to that's do awkward, this. Given the timeline I just uh, <laughs> stated. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that did. Yeah, you're right. I think this expedited in my mind, like, oh, okay, this is moving fast and we're serious here. Like I, I want to be upfront about this. Um, and so, yeah, I asked Jade, Hey, have you ever, uh, known anyone that struggled with, uh, pornography? And she was like, do I now? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Nailed um, it. With the, yeah, thumb, with the thumbs and that up. that was yeah. it. Yeah, we were cool. No, it was, uh, it was a long conversation. And I, I remember this is something that I know, Jade, you've commented was really helpful. But I specifically tried to walk her through the journey of what I've learned and how I've grown and not just dump it on her like, a, this is a big thing you should know about me, but almost like bring her to my side of the table and paint the picture of, here's how this came into my life and why I never wanted it. But here's like, what's, what's the journey been like? And, and how he asked I, me to not interrupt him and not ask questions till the end. That's well, what he said. I tried to share with her even, even some basic psychology <laughs> that I've learned kind of about recovery and helping her understand yeah. like some things. And, and I know that that was helpful to, to kind of help her see that I was taking this really seriously, that it wasn't just a big right. bomb drop, but it was, oh, he's being really thoughtful about right. this. Um, but it was still hard, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was definitely still getting to know him. So I do think it shifted the way I saw him completely. Well, okay, and let me ask you this question. I feel like there's two camps when you're mm -hmm. a woman deciding to get married. I think particularly if you happen to be down at BYU, right? And just, <laughs> and just understanding LDS culture, right? Is that there's either a... I have a hard line that I ain't get married to no one that ain't got no porn problems. <laughs> and so I, I'm one of my vetting questions of if I'm getting married to you is if you have porn, because if you do, I'm out. That's a camp, right? Yeah. And then totally. there's the other camp of like, well, they, I think they all are. So I probably just got to <laughs> kind of see where they at. And so coming into your guys' relationship, where were you? I don't think I was in either camp. I think I was undecided. Hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's a strength that I have. I tend to be undecided on most things until I like really look into it. Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't think it wasn't a hard no, but people had talked to me all growing up like, oh, by the way, like you should be aware there are people with porn issues. Like you probably don't want that in your relationship. Real weirdos there are people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I remember That's hearing that a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, I know it was terrible, but um, I remember hearing that, but I also knew Chandler to some extent. I mean, we weren't dating that long, but I feel like I could, I could tell immediately that he was a really, really good guy. And I knew mm -hmm. that, he really wanted to be good. Um, so when he told me, I don't think I, I don't know. I think I was kind of open to what he was going to say because I was kind of curious and maybe a little interested in how um, someone could consistently struggle with pornography um, and be so good at the same time and mm -hmm. be such a good person and um, work so hard at becoming better. I think he was the most repentant person I had ever met. I, I, I and most humble person I'd ever met and the best listener. Like he had so many good qualities that I was attracted to him. And when he told me he struggled with pornography, I was like, 
oh, like, I wonder how this fits together. And I wanted him to kind of show me how they could fit in one person. Um, so I was like open to that idea, I guess. Um, when you should share like, uh, so like, I think a key part for you is what happened like after that conversation and, and what you did, you know, in your conversations with God the next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hook us up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I was, I don't know. I, when he told me everything, he told me his whole story. I think my immediate takeaway was this guy is really working at this. Like, mm. I don't really know what I can judge him for because he is so, he's working so hard at being, being a better person every single day, more so than I am. And I don't struggle with this. Like I do remember I told you, I think at the time I was like a month clean or something. And, oh, yeah. and I was like, months like pretty good, you know, like I'm yeah. kind of like pretty a shocked. And Jay was like a month. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I don't think I realized how many people actually struggle with pornography, um, or masturbation. I don't, I don't think I recognized, um, that. So I was a little bit naive to coming into this, but I do remember it kind of rocked my world a little bit. Like I walked away a little shaky. I wasn't upset. I wasn't scared, but I just didn't really know how to deal with the information, I guess. It was still a lot of information all at once. Um, and it did shape my perspective on who he was. It, he looked different to me. He looked, honestly, I do think he felt a little bit more like a stranger to me at that point because I don't think I fully trusted him even though I believed he was a really good person and he was working really hard at this. So that, like the next couple days, um, I just remember praying a lot. And I remember I was start, trying to study for a midterm at that time. Um, and I just couldn't focus at all. I went to the library. I like took out all my books, but I just couldn't get any studying done because this was just on my Repeat, mind. Yeah. yeah, I was just trying to figure out how to sort through all this information. And it felt heavy. Um, I didn't know what to do. So I just kind of started writing. I just like took out some note cards. I started writing on this note card, like all of my thoughts. And I was praying the whole time. Like, help me, help me see this the way you see it, God. Like, help me see this the way, um, help me see things the way they really are. Because mm. um, I knew my perspective is incomplete and imperfect. I, kn I know I can't see the whole picture. There must be more. If he can be such a good guy and also struggle with something that felt really bad to me, like, how do, does that, how did both those things coexist in one person? There's got to be, I have to zoom out. There's got to be more perspective here that I'm not seeing. And that's kind of how I approached it. So I just prayed and prayed and prayed and wrote and wrote and wrote. And then finally I started noticing myself writing things like, it's actually, I feel like God is investing in Chandler. I feel like God is investing in who he becomes. He has to struggle in order for him to understand how to, um, come close to Christ and how to access Christ's power and how to develop a partnership with God. I started writing those things down and I remember feeling like maybe this is something that Chandler even signed up for at some point. Like maybe this was, this is just an integral part of his journey. Sure. It can be seen as a flaw and a weakness, but it can also be seen as an investment um, and who he becomes. And I realized that I would actually be honored, which I know is like pretty extreme, but like, I felt like I would your, actually your be truth honored. Is your truth. You don't have to <laughs> apologize for it. Yeah. I, I felt like I would actually be honored to like walk this journey with him or be by him and kind of, um, see him change through this process. Um, and I didn't really think about the future a whole ton. I didn't think about what this would look like if we were to get married. We weren't talking about marriage yet. This was still pretty early. Um, but I do just remember feeling like whatever this path, wherever this path goes, I think it's a good path. I think God is on this path. Um, so even though it's rough and there's a lot of negatives associated with it, I do think this is where... God wants him to be. And this is, would be a great place for me to be as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I really honor, I think, I mean, you named it as a strength of yours. And then as you told your story, I was like, Oh, she knows that about herself. That's dope. Um, <laughs> is a lot of times women are like, this is my perspective or just people in traumatic experiences. This is what I would do if this happened. Yeah. And it, 
almost always is not what they actually would do when they're actually there in the felt experience. Mm. And so I think a lot to, you know, if this were to happen, this is what I would do. And, uh, you know, Kayla said that to me when we saw someone else cheat on. So she's like, if you ever cheat on me, we'd get divorced. No questions asked. Mm. And through several rounds of that happening, that's not actually what Kayla did all still is not to this date and isn't planning on it. Right. And so, um, I think that's a beautiful share of, there really isn't a way to know. I mean, you can do intellectually your homework till the cows come home, but until you're there in that felt experience, um, this is beautiful how you shared that. I think that was really key because I, I remember just noticing, and this made a profound impact on me. I think in the next stage of my recovery was seeing how Jade really tried to let God mold her mindset rather than try to figure it all out herself, which I think applies both for the betrayed partner and the person well, working. Well, or her. to tell you to give it to her. Yeah, right. Frankly, in a lot of yeah. situations, that's dangerous. And yeah. that's a lot true. of times there are people in addiction still gaslighting and they're like, totally, I'll give you a narrative around this so you don't hate me and don't divorce me and don't leave me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think God has the perfect perspective. And I'm grateful that I feel like, well, I feel like I learned this on my mission, how to do this, how to let God shape my perspective and put a new perspective in my brain. Like I feel like he just like took out what was there and put in something new in. Um, I feel like that's so valuable, no matter what you're going through, even when it's something, if, even if it's something that I'm struggling with and I'm feeling bad about myself or I don't know how to get through it, asking God to show me things as they really are, how he sees it has always completely transformed my experiences and showed me where God is in the storm. Yeah, I think we learned that. Like, if we don't do that, then we start to define each other in our relationship by what one of us is currently struggling with. And it can be easy to get depressed or or to fall into, yeah, these like, I don't even know what you call it, like these fixed mindsets about the future that are unhealthy. Um, And I think we realized early on, like, this is a challenge that I'm going to have in my life that we're going to have in our marriage, in our, our relationship. Um, this is not the only challenge. And so this is a cool opportunity, I think, for us to learn to rely on God to not only shape our mindset, but to help us heal individually and collectively. And I think you set a really awesome example early on that even though this could have easily been viewed as my problem, uh, whether you wanted to stick with me or not, you kind of took ownership for your own healing and, and kind of working through it with God to mold your perspective on it rather than, yeah, just like, wanting me to give you answers or you coming up with them yourself. And I think that is applied in our marriage to other challenges that we've had, you know, as you've struggled with mental health challenges or, or other challenges that we faced together so far, like I mean, we're still pretty young, right? We, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But So how long have you been married now? So we just had our anniversary a couple days ago, uh, three years. So, awesome. Old yeah. sea dogs in the marriage yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want, um, with you sharing that experience and kind of that relationship with God, um, Chandler, I'm imagining that this had an influence on you, right? Um, in hearing her perspective, I'm assuming you brought this back to him and said, hey, this is kind of how my conversation is going with God. Yes. She gave me those note cards. And yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So now, what I'm imagining is this is going to blow your mind. You're like, wait, what? Yeah. You can do oh, that? Oh, for sure. Okay, so t- just tell me how this <laughs> influenced your and changed your perspective on who God was. Hmm. And then maybe we'll just follow up that with who is God to you now hmm. compared to who he was, right? Yeah. No, I actually think this was the or a pivotal catalyst in changing my mindset because she gave me that note card and she did write out those words like, um, God making an investment in you. And mm-hmm. I, I would be honored to like walk this path together with you. And all of it was kind of shocking. I was like, oh, you don't hate me. Wow. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a surprise. And not only that, like you have like all this wisdom that it looks like you've kind of pieced together, together with God. Um, so much wisdom. It, yeah, it, <laughs> it really, I mean, the first thing I noticed was that this couldn't have been just like her mindset. Otherwise I was just like dating an angel, you know, like it, it was really like, I get, it was evident that you had like grappled through this together with God to try to see it differently. And, and the thing that stuck out to me the most is just 
like not trying to look at myself through my own eyes, but through God's eyes. Mm -hmm. And just that simple exercise and shift unveiled so much to me about who he is and the character of his love and the depth of uh, how he feels about me and how non-one-dimensional it was. Whereas, I, you know, I kind of mentioned the story of it being defined by expectations and whether right. I was acting according and in line with those expectations. Right. My new definition of God became and now is that it's so much more than that. And it's maybe even hard to articulate, I guess, but just realizing that it isn't that one-dimensional was key for me to start removing those final layers of shame. Um, I guess I'm talking about it like there's not more to go. I think there's always, you know, like I'm still on this journey, but but I think really starting to feel that, no, I think it is possible that, you know, I, I shouldn't wish this challenge to just be removed from my past, present, and future. I should try to see what I can learn and how I can grow from it because God loves me enough that he'll help me through this and make it a productive and net positive experience for me. Yeah. So now I want to get the context on how you're doing that. And cause you've said several times in this podcast, like the stage of recovery that I'm in. And so what I want to name, um, and so uh, shout out to Jeremy, who's, who has a lot of 12 step knowledge, you know, he shared um, in background, you know, a question in, in the, in the, 12 step, right? So one of the quotes in there is, you know, without sobriety, we have nothing to offer uh, anyone, right? That sobriety takes away from our offering, right? Uh, another 12 step truth is that we don't ever do anything to profit or share our story. So I've actually heard not from one, from but multiple people that we've invited to come on the podcast and share their story that they're like, that that's against recovery, according to mm. the 12 steps, which I will point at, that is accurately true to the 12 mm. step literature. And so as not being someone who is three years of sobriety, right. Mm -hmm. Um, as, as so really being in counter to those two 12 step traditions, what was it about the stage of recovery for you and just your life and walk with God that you're like, Hey, I should start this app to create the teamwork and community that people can find. Yeah. Because we're kindred spirits, but there are many people, I would say, in their shame and many people in the recovery community who don't feel necessarily so unashamed and unafraid to share their story, um, let alone feel that they could be the catalyst to create an app to help create community and help people. Yeah. So tell me about that, that as we close up here, tell us about that stage of recovery, like what brought you that passion? How'd yeah. that come together for you? Because it's, it's, it's not in the mainstream flow of the recovery community. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and yeah, I guess this is, yeah, kind of against the grain, but yeah. I currently, became, yeah, currently, right. Let's, let's not mainstream <laughs> yet. Yeah. Well, I remember a day in our marriage. Uh, I, I think I had recently, uh, had a setback and I was talking meaning to a relapse, a relapse. I'm sure yeah. Yeah. yeah, setback. Sorry, setbacks. Nope, kind of the lingo great. that we've used. And, Perfect. Everyone, yeah. Um, and one thing we talked about is like we Jade wants me to be honest with her every time I have a relapse. And so uh, I was talking to her, and I think she was kind of asking like, "Hey, you've been going to groups for a long time. You've been I've been open about my story, right, with a lot of people. So she's like, you know, a lot of other people, right, like besides me, that could be your accountability partner." what are you doing? And this is paraphrasing, but you know, are you working together with all these people that are in your phone that you could be leveraging? And the answer was essentially no. Like I was, uh, in a lot of ways I'd continued to grow and make progress in my healing. Um, but realized that I was still really underutilizing my peers that I had access to both in groups and outside of groups. And th this is like where the passion really solidified in this part of my journey, where I just realized that I learned, you know, the the world's breadth of of recovery material and like I, you know, still have a lot to learn to go clearly if like I was still, you know, having some struggles. Um, but but I realized that like I could take charge and make change in the sense of how I'm using my peers to help me be accountable, to stay connected and not be isolated, to not put it on Jade or to just shrink or back to isolation. Yourself. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what it looked like was isolated, I was just right? being isolated. Right. And like, you, like barely being honest with her and like not much else. Right. Um, and so I, I realized like it wasn't about, you know, me having perfected that it was the opposite. It was that I was struggling with that. And I was like, man, there should be a tool that's better than group me and WhatsApp 
that helps people in recovery work together better, more effectively, consistently, uh, that can take the friction out of that. Um, and cause I wanted it, but we, we continued to, you know, me and my friends like created various systems and processes of how we're going to help each other. And, and it always kind of fizzle out after a period of time. And so I, I, my background was in uh, startups and I taught myself to code. So I had worked on apps and things like that before and, and started working on this as a project and realized that, um, God had kind of opened the door and given us strengths and skills, me and a couple other friends that we could even build an app in the first place. And then it wasn't about, again, like my having perfected these concepts, it was just about the awareness and realizing that there is a gap here that me and a lot of other people I talked to were experiencing. And I feel like that was the qualification. It was no like um, experience-based merit or recovery-based merit. It was um, we saw a need and we were passionate about trying to solve it for ourselves and others. Yeah. And what I want to name is that that's actually how the 12 steps started. That's mm. awesome. If you know the story. Oh. Yes. Oh, Dr. Bob cool. and Bill W. So he goes around all Sunday as a non-sober man to invite everyone to come to this meeting that they're now going to create. And he comes back to the first one. And so he goes to these bars all Sunday. Hey, mm. pulling all the alcoholics. <laughs> hey, you should all come to this meeting. And um, shows up to the, you know, to the meeting and nobody comes. So he's like, oh, Dr. Bob, man, this sucks, you know? And Dr. Bob's response was, but you didn't drink today. And so I believe you have some kindred spirits even in the 12-step That's community. Cool. Um, and so um, as when we uh, talk about this, we've talked around it a lot. Tell us clearly, name of the app, find it. Tell us a couple quick things about it. Yeah. So the app is called Relay. It's available in uh, the iOS and Android app stores. In case there's someone who doesn't know how to spell, which I'm pointing <laughs> at myself, since this is on audio, pointing at myself, spelled... R-E-L-A-Y. Yeah. And maybe we can put, you know... Yeah, we'll put a link in the description. description. Yeah, link in the description. Um, yeah. And so essentially how it works is if you already have an existing group, you can join with your group and it's a tool that uh, makes it easier for you to have transparency in the goals that everyone is working on. So maybe it's, you know, I'm working on journaling 15 minutes a night or exercising five times a week or praying daily. Um, everyone can kind of set up and track those goals in this shared team environment. And so one thing we're doing is making it easier for you to see, oh, hey, Chandler's killing it at this. Or, hey, it, looks, it doesn't look like Chandler's been checking in for this for a while. And so it's creating more uh, low friction conversations uh, without the shame uh, that is resulting in more effective accountability for people. What if I don't have a community? And if you don't have a community, you walk through a little 12 question survey and we match you with a group of five to eight other people who are working towards the same thing, same gender, same age range. Uh, and also like if you're religious or, or non-religious, like we, we kind of match based off of a number of those factors. And so for most people in our app, like they're not coming in with an existing group. And so I think that's the game changer is uh, you know, if jumping into an in-person meeting is scary, Relay is a great place to start. Um, but rather and you, is this like I have to join with my Facebook and everyone knows who I am? Absolutely, yes. And you got to connect it to your Twitter and your social identity, social security. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, you can choose what name you want to use, right? So a lot of people do use their real first names in the app, but you can use a pseudonym, uh, whatever you right. want to go by. I could choose, uh, if it makes me feel safe to be more anonymous, totally. I can make that choice. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as someone who right, has used the app, right, I've, I've I called you and been like, hey, I would change this. And imagine that. I had an opinion, Steven's James. Great can idea. you believe that <laughs> I had so some opinions weird. about yeah. how it should go. Um, but, um, it's there. I mean, it works. I think, I think it's an awesome tool. And so I, I say that from, uh, actually using it, like currently I'm using it. Send me an email. If you want to be on my relay group for real, we could totally Let's create a relay it. group. Let's so send me it. an email. Yeah, Maybe we can put a code if, in the yeah, description that yeah, if actually you, will get you into a team. Yeah. So yeah. if you want to uh, get in a team, uh, email me, Stephen at unashamed and afraid. We can totally get on the same relay team, work recovery <laughs> together. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, you guys are awesome. Wisdom, I mean, beyond your years for sure. Um, so we always have when people share their story and wrap up, uh, end with a song. And so if there was a song that you feel represented, your trust in him kind of leaning in and um, uh, your guys' story, what would that song be? Do you need some time to think about it? Because I've got one. <laughs> yeah. What, wow. What was, what was going to be the one you were going to Waymaker. By Waymaker. Um, I forget who we sings like that originally. We like Cinderella, though. 
Wait, get, tell me Way, who's Waymaker, by, unless you're changing your mind. No, we, we're sticking with Waymaker. I forget who sings it originally, but it's the not, cover that we love is oh. by Cimarelli. Yeah, the phrase that, that we really love from the song that has meant a lot to us uh, goes like this. It's Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, My God, That is Who You Are. So I just love like those different uh I guess, images of who God is. And I think this overall theme of trust in him rather than in our, our natural kind of way of seeing things that has been key for us. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on. It's truly been an honor to be with you. Um, James has just been over here, just nodding his head the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. feed us some of that. And, <laughs> and truly a very rich episode um, as far as, so appreciate you guys sharing your heart. If you'd like to join us um, with these guys in the bonus content, go ahead and go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate and donate becoming outsider. Our outsiders are those who are bold, accepted, and unashamed. We'd love for you to join that community and join us in this bonus content. Also, we have scholarships available. So if you are in need, um, we have scholarships from all sorts of things to I'm going to do some scholarships for trying the relay app um, to going to retreats, therapy things, online programs, different things. So totally go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships. You are worthy. Um, So we'd love to have you apply. Um, go uh, to iTunes, even if you're not listening on iTunes, and give us five stars there. That's how the world judges us and the algorithms move and put us in search bars and things like that. Um, and would always love to hear from you. So feel free to reach out to any of us. And Chandler, where can they find you if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, so they can check out our, our website at joinrelay.app or you can email us. I also love to get, you know, whether it's Steven's ideas about how we can improve the app. <laughs> Uh, or, or just, you know, if you want to hit, hit me up and talk, it's Chandler at joinrelay.app. And yes, he responds to every single email and text message himself. Much to Jade's annoyance when it's like 11 p.m. at night and we're about to go to <laughs> No, it's great. Test that theory, please do. So with that, um, again, thank you. We'll see you in the bonus content. Yeah, thank guys. you for coming, being, and listening here. And with that, we'll send you out with the song of choice, Waymakers. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you, you are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, moving in our midst, I worship you. I worship you, you are here, working in this place, I worship you, I worship you, you are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, touching every heart, I worship you, I worship you.
working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it because you You